You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid movie and TV recommendations for whatever ails you. Please note, we are not real therapists, but we are real movie critics and real longtime friends. And lucky us, we're going to be joined by two other longtime friends later in this show. Aminatu So and Anne Friedman. They're the hosts of the podcast Call Your Girlfriend and authors of the new book, Big Friendship. Yes, but first, we have some letters to get to. Rayford, do you want to read the first one? Sure. Uh, this letter comes from Caroline. Here's what she says. Dear Rafer and Kristen, ever since the pandemic hit, my family, like everyone else, has tried to come up with different ways to keep ourselves engaged and interested. One thing I've done is start the Tiny Film Society. My kids and I watch a classic movie once a week. It's tiny because there are only three of us. This has given me an opportunity to share some of my favorite classic movies with my kids, ages 10 and 12, and something to look forward to every week. The other day, my daughter said, I like the movies we've been watching, but why do the men get all the glory? And while I've tried to pick movies with good female characters, she's right. The women are always the sidekick and often need rescuing. Can you recommend any classic movies that have a heroine who saves the day, but also is age-appropriate? Ah, I love this question. It's a good question. And I love that you have a tiny film society. That sounds really fun. I know. I, I wish I was in your tiny film society. <laughs> I know. It sounds great. I love that. It would make a great t-shirt, wouldn't it? Tiny, yes. tiny film festival. Yeah, yes. it'd, be, it'd be great. It'd be awesome. Uh, and that's great that you're showing classics, too, which I think is, is really good. Um, I find it very, very difficult to show my kids uh, classic movies. They're just... Man, they're just typical kids. You put on a black and white movie, and they just start groaning. They don't want. Yeah. They don't want to see it. It's talky. It's too complicated. I don't understand. They don't like it. But I think it's great. I think it's great. You're showing classic movies. Yeah, I think it's terrific too. And I will say that depending on the decade, there are some really tough decades for strong female leads. Sure. A little known fact. I'll just say it. In the 1940s and 50s, there were a lot more strong female leads in the movies than there were in the 60s, 70s, and even early 80s. There was a really I tough totally period there. 
of about 25 years where the women just disappeared or they were just there to say, oh, please don't get hurt out there, honey, or you're the best looking. I love you the most. You know, that was like the only job of women in the movies for a while there. And I still kind of feel like we're recovering from that. But there was a glory period in the 30s through the early 50s that there were a lot of really strong women. Uh, but Rafer, as you said, a lot of those movies are black and white, which not all kids yes. really love. <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's funny that you say that about the about the 60s, 70s. Um, I do feel like given all the all the progress that was being made, in terms of women during that decade, or at least all the progress we thought was being made, a lot of the women on screen, I feel like, were either helpless or often crazy. Yeah, and the cra- and the craziness was sort of was sort of attractive. Just for the other the other the other day, I watched for the first time. I watched Solaris, the Andre uh, Tarkovsky film, the sort of the the post two thousand one big Russian sci fi masterpiece. Great mm-hmm. movie. I'm totally glad I finally saw that. I was sort of embarrassed to have to, after all these years having been a film critic and never seen Solaris. Um, but more than anything, what really struck me about that film was the craziness of the female character. That she was this tragic crazed, sort of self-destructive, I love you, I'm going to kill myself kind of character. And I remember thinking, like, that was what really stuck out to me more than the sets, the design, the kind of larger overall concepts of humanity and space. It was this, it was the crazy, the crazy, tragic female. And I just thought, huh, that's, that was a thing. That was a real thing back then. <sighs> the I 60s think. was just filled with that. So you're right. I think you're really right. So much of it. So much of it. So yes. I, I'm just going to give a hint now. I went back further than the 60s because of that, because I, I really wanted some real strong women, not some just tragic, messed up women, which, you know, we're all messed up in our own way. No no offense if you're messed up, too. But, you know, if we're <laughs> looking all, for not at all. No, if we're looking for some kick ass, there's definitely a lot more of it uh, prior to the 1960s. Right. And Rafer, I know for a fact that you also went back before the 1960s. Do you want to tell did. us what your prescription is? I will. I chose a movie called All About Eve from 1950. Um, Now, I don't know, Caroline, you may have already seen this if you're watching the classics. I don't know. But this is one of the great films. And, you know, it's a little bit, it's going to, I think it's going to fit most of what you're looking for. Maybe not all, but I think it's going to fit most of what you're looking for. If you don't know it, this is the classic Joseph Mankiewicz movie. Uh, It's one of the classic showbiz movies. And the story is definitely, definitely all about women. And there are three of them here. You've got Margot Channing, the famous Broadway star, who's just starting to realize that her age is working against her. She's played by Betty Davis, probably her Betty Davis's best known role. Then there's Karen Richards, uh, played by Celeste Holmes. She's the wife of a fam- famous playwright. She's not really a Broadway type. She's just kind of she kind of married into the into the into the showbiz family. Uh, and finally, there is uh, the woman of the title. Eve Harrington, played by Ann Baxter. She's this young woman, aspiring actress. She's desperate to become a Broadway star. She's so desperate that she hangs around the stage every night, hoping to meet Margot Channing. And when she does, she charms her way into Margot's life. And before anyone even really realizes what's happening, she's kind of charmed her way right onto the stage in Margot's spot. Here's a clip. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I distinctly remember Addison crossing you off my guest list. What are you doing here? Dear Margot, you were an unforgettable Peter Pan. You must pray it again soon. Uh, you remember Miss Caswell, don't you? I do not. How do you do? We've never met. Maybe that's why. Miss Caswell is an actress. 
a graduate of the Copacabana School of Dramatic Art. Ah, Eve. Good evening, Mr. DeWitt. I had no idea you two knew each other. This must be, at long last, our formal introduction. Until now, we've only met in passing. That's how you met me, in passing. Yes. Eve, this is an old friend of Mr. DeWitt's mother, Miss Caswell, Miss Harrington. Miss Caswell, how do you do? Addison, I've been wanting you to meet Eve for the longest time. It could only have been your natural timidity that kept you from mentioning it. You've heard of her great interest in the theater. Well, we have that in common. Then you two must have a long talk. I'm afraid Mr. DeWitt would find me boring before too long. You won't bore him, honey. You won't even get a chance to talk. Now, Rafer, I think this is a great suggestion because, oh my gosh, Betty Davis has never been more fierce. Oh my God. She is so strong in this. She's a powerhouse in this movie. Everything <laughs> she says is so clever, so totally. smart. And I, I just got to say, the script is at certain moments, laugh out loud, just it's just oh, yeah. biting. Yeah. yeah, it's really, really great. Oh, thanks. I'm glad. You, I'm glad you agree. Um, you know, I do want to say to to Caroline, our listener. You know, uh, this is why I say I think this this will fit your bill, but it may not fit your bill 100. Uh, percent I'll say a couple things. This is a somewhat dark movie. Uh, it's it's almost like a female film noir in a way. It's you know, there's a lot of jealousy and greed and envy and and backstabbing and all kinds of juicy stuff going on. It is true, I think your daughters may not find what you would call a role model here, unless 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 <laughs> unless they aspire to drink I the way Betty true. Davis does <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> but here's here's where the movie does come through for you. The movie is almost entirely focused on the women. The men, although they have their strengths, I mean, they're really just a bunch of dunderheads in tuxedos. The women are in, the, they are at the center of everything and they're not jockeying for the men. They're jockeying for careers. This is a movie that's about ambition, about female ambition, which I feel like even today is something of a rare thing to see in women on screen. You know, if you, it's just, they're really trying to claw their way to the top. And, you know, the, the guys are just on the sidelines kind of going, duh. It's a very female-centric movie. And here's the other reason I thought about it. If you, if you bumped everybody's age down about 30 years and put them in middle school, the movie would still totally work. The only thing you'd have yes. to change, all you have to do is change the champagne to apple juice and the movie would work exactly as written. Um, and so that <laughs> made me think of, you know, uh, uh, if you've got a daughter who's 10 or who's 12, you know, she might just kind of get into it. It's, it's you know, it's it's sudsy and it's it's kind of juicy and it's all about relationships. And again, like I say, and mean girls and mean yeah. and exactly and mean girls. Right. And, you know, and all these and all these girls that you're going to meet, you know, um, it one. It's just it's just. It's a great movie. It's got the famous fasten your seatbelts line, which is one of the most famous lines in all the movies. Again, Betty Davis, unstoppable at her at her best here. So that's my pick. Excellent. Love it, Rafer. That's that's a fantastic prescription, in my opinion. And now, Kristen, you said you went back a ways. You said you went back even before the 1950s. Yes, I went all the way back to 1940 to a movie called His Girl Friday. Of course. Please tell me you've seen this, Rafer. Of course, of course. And I've and I've seen, I think, every uh, movie that was uh, remade uh, after it, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Of course. Well, for those of you who don't know it, the movie stars the great Rosalind Russell, and she is star reporter Hildy Johnson. She always has the scoop. She's a great writer. She always finds out the facts. She always reveals them in her writing. She is a superstar of a writer. And 
Hildy, despite all of her talents, plans to retire from the newspaper business to get married. But her editor, Walter Burns, who also, by the way, happens to be her ex-husband, tries to sabotage her plans by assigning her one last big juicy story. And notably, Walter, played by the very charming and handsome Cary Grant, is nothing compared to Hildy. Yes, his charms are lovely, but she is pure brains. She is smart, smart, smart. Here's a clip. Well, well. How long is it? How long is what? You know what? How long is it since we've seen each other? Oh, well, let's see. Uh, I spent six weeks in Reno, then Bermuda. Oh, about four months, I guess. Seems like yesterday to me. Maybe it was yesterday, Hildy. Been seeing me in your dreams? Oh, no, Mama doesn't dream about you anymore, Wally. You wouldn't know the old girl now. Ah, uh, yes, I would. I'd know you any time, any, any place. place any... Anywhere. Ah, you're repeating yourself, Walter. That's the speech you made the night you proposed. Yeah, I know that you still remember it. Of course, I remember it. If I didn't remember it, I wouldn't have divorced you. Yes, I wish you hadn't done that, Hilly. Done what? Divorce me. Makes a fellow lose all faith in himself. Gives him a... Almost gives him a feeling he wasn't wanted. Oh, now, look, Junior, that's what divorces are for. Nonsense. You've got an old-fashioned idea. Divorce is something that lasts forever, till death do us part. Why, divorce doesn't mean anything nowadays, Hildy. Just a few words mumbled over you by a judge. We've got something between us nothing can change. Oh, well, I suppose you're right in a way, Walter. Sure, I'm right. I am fond of you, you know. And a girl? I often wish you weren't such a stinker. Yeah. Well, this is just a terrific movie. You know, Howard Hawks, who's just got the gift for that snappy, rapid-fire dialogue. I don't know how people wrap their lips around <laughs> that dialogue. It just it goes so fast, and they, they do it. It's so rat-a-tat. Um, it's just great. And Rosalyn Russell is just great in this movie. She's so fun. She's so smart. Uh, the character was originally written uh, as a man, I think, right? In the original the original play, Hildy, I think, was a man. Well, that was a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it shows I think it shows how it doesn't really take that much, right? To just to just flip that script a little bit and you've got a great strong character who's just like pops off the screen and and there you go. You don't have to make her helpless. You can just you can switch that gender and it's and it's easy and it works. Um and she's great. Rosalind Russell was great in this. Yeah. And she definitely in my opinion is the real hero of the story. I mean, Walter, he's up to shenanigans. He's up to no good. He's charming as I said. But Hildy can always uncover the truth. She's so funny. She's so smart. And I will also add that her wardrobe is fantastic. Her funny little hats, her her power suits of the era with those shoulders that go out to there. Yes. She looks terrific through the whole thing. But the number one reason that Cary Grant's character is wild about her has nothing to do with how gorgeous she is. It's because she is so smart. She is so spicy. She takes no BS. And she's a fantastic role model for anybody, boy or girl, or gender nonconforming. Look at Rosalind Russell and who she is and think, yeah, maybe I can grow up to be like that someday. So that's my prescription. I love it. I love it. All right. So once again, for Caroline, our recommendations are from Kristen, His Girl Friday, and from me, All About Eve. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, a reminder, we love it when you rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. For example, Pedal B, I hope I'm saying that right, Pedal B <laughs> recently gave us five stars and wrote, 
a fun way to survive the pandemic. These two hosts have a terrific dynamic, they laugh, and they also have serious discussions about the people writing in. The movies are a surprise sometimes, hearkening back to movies I've forgotten and love. I'm always excited when a new episode drops. Oh, that's a great letter. Thanks. I, w- I keep wanting to call you Potoby. Oh. Is that stupid? Potoby that might wrong? be. I don't know. Uh, it might be Potoby. Potoby? Potoby. Maybe. I don't know. I'll take anyway, it. Anyway, <laughs> listen. We're gl- either way, we're glad that we are making your pandemic a little better. Uh, that's what we're here for. And thanks again for writing in. Yes. Thank you so much. And stay with us. When we're back, we have someone who wants to get excited about dating again. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call she, the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, everybody. We're back with our second letter of the week. This one is from Maggie. Kristen, do you want to read Maggie's letter? Yes. Maggie says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I was on dating apps and had been on a few dates with one person in particular before everything shut down and he went out of state to be with his family. We've been talking over the phone, but the truth is, I don't really feel the same, nor do I want to be in a long distance relationship. I've been talking to a few other guys over apps as well, but nothing has progressed. I'm pretty negative about the whole dating thing at the moment, and I don't want to be. What movies would you recommend to help me get out of this dating funk? Oh, man, that's tough. Maggie, I can only kind of empathize with you on this and sort of abstractly because I'm too old for internet dating, <laughs> let alone let alone apps, man. That came that all that came after after I was off the market. I was done. I was done and gone by then. But listen, I did used to date back in the 60s. No, that's a joke. Uh, But I did used to date. And, you know, I remember, you know, you'd meet somebody and I don't know, things would kind of peter out a little bit and you'd kind of want to kickstart it, but you kind of couldn't. And was it you? Was it the other person? You don't know. And yeah, I, you know, I, it's, it's hard. And I could certainly imagine that what we're all going through right now with the pandemic, everything's shutting down. I mean, you can't even hug your friends, let alone, you know, canoodle with somebody (laughs) on a couch when you're dating. Um, So yeah, I, I, 
I can understand why this would be this would be difficult. Kristen, how about you? Well, as you know, I met my husband on a dating app, good old Tinder. Thank you, Tinder. That's right. And I have met lots of men over the years on dating apps and on websites. And I, I won't say how many hundreds, but it was in the hundreds. I've been on many, many dates. <laughs> have you really? Is that true? Yes. <laughs> many men have been lucky enough to go out with That's me. That's awesome. That's amazing. Because I love dating. I am the right person to talk to. I don't know if you remember this, Rafer, but in my single days, sometimes I'd have like four dates stacked up in a day. You know what? I do. <laughs> You're getting flashbacks now, Rafer. You're remembering. Yep, I do remember. And and that's it's 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 remarkable. But the, and it's a good thing. It says a good thing about you that you don't get too wrapped up in it. That you have fun. You enjoy meeting the person. I think that's I think that's a really good that's a really good attitude. Yeah, and I mean, one thing I want to say to you, Maggie, is yes, sometimes I did get down on dating. Sometimes I want to say to you, it's okay to take a break. You don't always have to be putting yourself out there. Sometimes I would take a break for a few days. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it, what made me happy about dating were all the things Rafer said. You know, I, I wouldn't take it too seriously. I would just go out there and enjoy meeting new people. I didn't bank on each person I met being the one. And I hope that wherever you live, Maggie, I'm not sure where you live, you can still meet the people face to face because I think one problem with dating apps and dating online is it's really easy to fall into the pattern of being a pen pal. Hmm. And it would be great if you could socially distance, like meet in a park and each sit on the opposite end of a bench and actually meet face to face because the pen pal thing can be deceptive. It can make you feel like, uh, oh, this could be the one, even though you've never seen if you have real life chemistry before. And so- Maggie, I do hope that you'll balance out the dating apps with actual face-to-face meetings. I hope you will remember that every person is just a potential great conversation. They don't have to be your long-term boyfriend. And I hope you just go in excited because every time you go on a date, you get to put a part of yourself forward that is lovable for somebody to meet. And that's a great opportunity because you're so lovable, Maggie. And to be able to go out there and put that out there for someone and for them to appreciate it, it's a really special thing. Even if you never see that person again, or maybe you'll see that person lots more, who knows. But embrace what's lovable about you as well as what's interesting about whoever you're meeting. Kristen, that's so much better than anything I could possibly say to this person. I'm so bad at dating. No. I'm, like the, I'm the worst dater. Oh, God, I'm just horrible at it. Okay. I, I really, honestly, I don't even want to say anymore. Kristen, what I want to know is, that was excellent advice. Excellent advice. I want to hear what your movie prescription is for our listener. All right. I am recommending a movie that is brand new to Netflix 2020 called The Half of It. Do you know the half of it, Rafer? For once, I actually do know this movie. I have seen the half oh, of it. Oh, good, good. I'm glad. Yes. Now, for those of you out there who don't know it, the half of it stars Leah Lewis as Ellie Chu. She's an introverted overachiever in a small conservative town. She has very little patience for the romantic notions of, you know, people all having a perfect other half out there waiting to complete them. Uh, She's, you know, she's pretty negative when it comes to the whole idea of dating. She's too logical for that. She's too hardworking. She doesn't have time for that stuff. And 
when it comes down to it, it makes sense that she's kind of separated herself from romantic notions because her father is depressed and barely gets out of bed each day. She doesn't really have time to sit with those emotions because she just has to get on with the business of living, taking care of herself, taking care of her dad. Uh, she even earns extra money by writing papers for her classmates. And at one point early in the movie, seeing her talent for writing, a jock named Paul turns to her for help writing love letters. Now, here's where the complication comes in. The letters are all directed at a popular girl named Aster. And it so happens that maybe Ellie doesn't want to say it, but maybe she has a crush on Aster. Here's a clip. The good thing about being different in a town like this is that no one expects you to be like them. I'm 17. I live in Squamish with my dad. I run a business writing essays for people. I guess I just never thought I'd need anyone else. Hey, hold up. $10 for three pages. No, I'm not trying to cheat. What's this? A letter. Maybe you can make me sound smart. Dear Aster Florence, I'm in love with you. You want a letter about love? I'll write you a letter about love. Where were you born? In Squamish. What do you like about Squamish? I've never been anywhere else. Me neither. What do you like about Aster? She's pretty and smart. What else could I like about her? I don't know. How her eyes look right into yours. How you can live in an ocean of her thoughts and she really knows. I'm so stupid. I just meant... You like Aster? I remember being really surprised by how good this movie is because for the most part, this, this, this tier of movie on Netflix usually winds up being pretty bad. You know, these kind of not very costly uh, sort of rom-commy teen flick comedy dramas. They're, they're, I find them to be pretty subpar. And this was not. It had a really smart script. I thought all the actors and actresses were really good. And um, I really liked the characters. And I, I just remember thinking... It was really, it was charming. It was sweet. It had a lot of um, good little nuggets of wisdom in it that came from kind of unexpected places. You know, Paul, this you know sort of dumb jock character who could have been a real one-dimensional character, turns out to be much more complex than I think you know you would have thought at the beginning. And the other thing I remember liking about it is that it never quite goes exactly where you think it's going to go. Mm -hmm. And I and I really you know and and I I thought that was that was really good. And of course we haven't talked about. Um, this being sort of a Cyrano de Bergerac, you know, post-millennial Cyrano de Bergerac story. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I liked that about it. And I thought they did something new with it. And the, 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 the same-sex relationship flip was a nice way to, mm -hmm. you know, put a, put a twist on it and modernize this thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad you thought of this. I'd, I'd kind of forgotten that I'd seen it. Uh, and I'm glad you thought of it, Kristen. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you approve of this, Rafer. And I'm so glad you've seen it because a lot of these Netflix movies, I feel like that's almost more my realm in our relationship Total, is that I, totally I, I is. see a lot of TV. I see a lot of Netflix. I see a lot of straight to video. Yep. And you see a lot of, you know, great classic films and indie films and theatrical releases and foreign films. And the fact that you've seen this movie makes me really happy. And the fact that you liked it makes me happy. Um, I just want to say a few more words, though, uh, before we get onto your prescription, Rafer. Yes. Uh, Maggie, the reason I recommended this is because I think that Ellie is like you in some ways. In addition to, you know, kind of feeling negative about dating, she also is 
doing a lot of the long distance thing because she's doing everything on paper. Mm-hmm. She's not actually, you know, going face to face with anybody that she is interested in. And also at the end of the movie, I don't want to spoil things. I don't want to spoil things, but I'll say this. She realizes that there is more room in her heart for love than she realizes and that there's a big, giant world out there full of possibilities and connections that she never gave herself a chance to even think about before. But it's out there. There is so much love out there. There's love out there for you. And some final words I'll say from the film's writer-director, Alice Wu. She said, part of the joy is that you can go on that journey looking for your other half, but the point isn't the finding. The point is the journey that will help you learn more about yourself. And Maggie, I hope you remember that, that whatever you do, you're lovable. The journey is about yourself. There's love out there. You're going to find it. But the point is more making sure that you enjoy the journey and enjoy who you are. All right, Kristen. Well, well said. And I feel a little, I feel a little sheepish now, giving my... (laughs) Giving my no, <laughs> don't feel sheepish, Rafer. I'm I'm so curious. I'm dying to know what you picked. I really want to know what you picked. It's a really stupid movie from 2008 called Sex Drive. <laughs> um, Is that that teen comedy where they go yes, on a road trip to get it's, sex? It's <laughs> oh, Rafer, Rafer. Listen, okay, listen. So. <laughs> First of all, I do love that we both chose yeah. teen comedies, but this this is very surprising for me. I don't know. I just I'll, I'll right. let you explain. I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, so this is really just a, a blatant ripoff of the Sure Thing, uh, one of my favorite films, the John Cusack movie mm-hmm. from the eighties. So that you know that movie was about a guy who drives across country because some dude told him about a girl who'd have sex with him. Hence the title. Uh, I do remember thinking, even in the eighties, I kind of thought, does this happen? Is there some like is there some guy who just says, I know some chick. Who's going to have sex with you? And you just get in the car and drive across country. Uh, anyway, so this movie, Sex Drive, get it, is basically the same plot. Only now, of course, we're in the era of internet dating. And of course, 2008, I think 2008 was, you know, internet dating was still a little bit on the newish side. I don't know. Maybe not. No, it wasn't. Um, again, I'm, I'm old. You were already married by that. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Kristen. All right. So in this movie, we've got a kid named Ian, played by uh, Josh Zuckerman. Uh, He meets a girl online named Ms. Tasty, and he's going to drive from Illinois, where he lives, to Tennessee, where she is, to meet her. And he brings along a couple friends, his friend Lance, played by Clark Duke, uh, and a girl named Felicia, played by Amanda Crew. And of course, they're going to have zany adventures and misadventures. And the film really takes kind of a just a completely unexpected left turn when their car breaks down and they meet an, an Amish guy, played by Seth Green, who introduces them to the concept of rumspringa. And this is the first place I'd ever heard of rumspringa. I'd never heard of it before. What? Yeah, you probably what? had, Kristen, because you're, cause you're, uh, you're into the Amish. I'm into the Amish. Yeah, you really are. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden, <laughs> Sex Drive, kind of halfway through, becomes kind of like a quasi-Amish teen rom-com. So it's kind of strange. But anyway, here's a clip that will tell you how the whole thing starts. Hey, hey dude, wait up. Hold on. So he met this chick on the internet, which is sketchy. The internet? Yeah, it's like a series of computers that are connected through... Computers? A computer is like a big calculator, you know, with a screen. I'm just busting your balls, man. I know what the internet is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You ever heard of Rumspringa? Yeah, that's ska band from Delaware. No, no, no. It's uh, It means run wild. It's an Amish tradition where when we turn 16, we can go live like you heathens for a while. Go nuts, party for months or 
for years. Two new folks start hassling me, then it's back to the Stone Age. But if you're on Rumspringa, what's with the buggy? Oh, no, no, I'm not. Not anymore. Probably shouldn't even be talking to him, but a little bit of an Amish flout law. <laughs> Sometimes I just miss the world. What do you miss the most? You know, I miss sarcasm. It's mostly lost on my people. Oh. And gambling. Mm. Went to Vegas once. Rafer, I have a feeling back in a previous point in my life, I may have flipped through channels and watched seven minutes of this. You may have. And, and that's about it. So I really can't say one way or the other if this is a good prescription for Maggie <laughs> or why on earth you would choose it. But I will, I will let you explain. All right. Here's the thing. Now, I don't want to oversell this movie. I like I'm tempted to call it <laughs> I'm tempted to call it underrated, but I think it was rated about right. Um, people <laughs> thought it had some good points, and so did I. It is it is a formulaic teen comedy. It's a little raunchier than it needs to be, but that was the thing in two thousand eight. But I remember finding this film also really sweet and good hearted. Uh, Clark Duke is actually quite funny in it. He plays this cocky lady killer guy. James Marsden has a very funny bit part. The characters are are nicely drawn and they're they're likable and they're fun. And I think, like Kristen was saying about her pick, the hidden message of this movie is you you got to get out there in the world and mix it up with people because who knows what you'll find, right? You know, I'm, Ms. Tasty is probably not going to work out, but you might find something else along the way. Maybe you'll find it in, in Rumspringa. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll find it someplace <laughs> else. But if you get out there and put yourself out there and, and you know, mix it up in the universe, something good is going to come back to you and you're going to find the thing that you're looking for. Again, would the filmmakers say that was the message of this movie? Perhaps not. They might, they might say I was I was stretching things, but I think that's in there. And it's it's a kind of a dopey, kind of funny movie that I bet most people haven't seen. And it's got just enough laughs in it. Seth Green, I have to say, is actually really good as the Amish guy. And so there you go, Sex Drive. That's my pick. <laughs> well, Rafer, you kind of sold me on it. I mean, it still sounds stupid, but it does sound, it is. at least through your interpretation, like there's some heart there. So so maybe, maybe one of these will work out for you. Once again, Rafer's recommendation for you is Sex Drive, and mine is the half of it. Okay, everybody, we're going to take another quick break. But before we do, do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, raferandkristen.com, and fill out the contact form. You don't have to use your real name. And if you have not yet done so already, join the conversation on our Facebook community. That's at facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. Again, that's facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. It's a private group for fans of the show. And there are always great conversations happening there about the movies, about TV, and about the advice that Rafer and I give. <laughs> All right, when we're back... We'll have the hosts of Call Your Girlfriend joining us to ask, what should they watch next? You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update 
wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Matt, did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. We're back, and it's time for this week's What Should I Watch Next segment, and we are joined by two very special guests. Yes, we have with us today Aminatu So and Anne Friedman, hosts of the terrific podcast Call Your Girlfriend and authors of the new book Big Friendship. Anne Aminatu, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Aminatu, for those who aren't familiar with your terrific podcast, can you tell us about it? Um, Call Your Girlfriend is a podcast that Anne and I host and that is edited by our wonderful friend Gina Delvac. Every week we talk about um, things that we care about and interview people who we find interesting. So on any given week, you can hear us talking about politics, about our periods, about pop culture, about the business world, about marijuana, you name it, we'll talk about it. (laughs) And I know that um, you guys, your book builds and sort of expands on the podcast um, because I think the full title is Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close. And we get a lot of Uh, letters from people uh, struggling to do this during the pandemic. Do you guys have a a tip or two you want to share with us about how people can maintain those connections? It's not easy. Um, I think that we thought we really had long distance friendship figured out after being apart for so many years. And I think even for us, um, not being able to see each other every couple of months in person has been a real challenge. So so yeah, so even even people whose podcast tagline is for long distance besties everywhere are struggling in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that we write about over and over in the book is just how powerful it can be to declare an intention when it comes to friendship. And so for friends to be able to say to each other in this moment, like, hey, I'm finding it really hard to keep in touch because I have these you know, additional caregiving responsibilities or because I am, you know, social distancing or whatever it might be and saying, but I want to find a way to work through this with you and keep our friendship strong. Um, I think can be, can go a long way toward both people finding a little bit more grace for some of the changes that we're all going through. Oh, that's such good advice. And it's so obvious just saying it out loud. Yep. Uh, I love that. Now, something else I love is that the two of you are with us to ask a what should I watch next question. And you two actually met while watching something together. Tell us what that was. Um, We were invited to a TV watching party. Remember when you had to go to someone's house to watch TV because you didn't have your own cable? Um, (laughs) Such a weird, such a weirdly like specific 2007 to 2010 problem. Um, 
But um, <laughs> we were invited to watch Gossip Girl by our mutual friend Dio because she knew that we both enjoyed watching it. And also she wanted to like set us up and it was the perfect place to meet. And so every week, um, I believe at the time the show was out on Thursdays, every Thursday we would, uh, you know, like gather in someone's living room to watch this ridiculous television show that has, you know, at the time was bad and has definitely <laughs> aged even worse. So uh, <laughs> that's that's our origin story. Okay, now, Anne, you and Aminatu have a what should I watch next question for us. But interestingly, it's not about a movie focused on friendship. Instead, it's a movie about a romantic breakup. So tell us what this movie is and why you want something that scratches the same itch. So in the early days of our friendship, we we met um, we met in 2009, which should should anchor you in uh, the movie time continuum a little bit. We would watch we would watch lots of non critically acclaimed films together. Let's put it that way. Um, and and one and one movie that we really watched a lot together and separately is Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which I believe came out a year or so before we met. It was definitely like. Um, you know, hitting, hitting like the DVD phase of its life right around the time we got to know each other. And so I think that that's why this movie came to mind. And um, it's just ridiculous. It is, there is something like um, very uh, comforting about a rom-com that also has a puppets interlude. Um, <laughs> and, and, and it's the source of, I don't think either of us thinks it's a good movie, but it was in the early days of our friendship, the source of um, quite a few inside jokes. So I think that's the other reason we picked it. Yeah. Also, I think like maybe our first like joint crush, we were both into Jason Siegel. So it just really helped. It was another time. <laughs> yeah, it was. That, listen, I'm not respecting it or defending it. I'm just yeah. giving context. And we uh, also have had a long, like a long-standing shared kind of like fascination. I won't call it a crush because it's not. I won't call it a, like disgust because it's not. But like with Russell Brand, I have to say. <laughs> Russell Brand, sure, of course. I mean that that was that was the that was the era. It was Russell Brand. It was Jonah Hill. It was Jason Segel. I mean Paul Rudd. I think was really kind of coming into his own right about then. I know. And who can believe this is a Judd Apatow movie because it's not like three hours long. This is wild. <laughs> right. right. That's how to you be, know it's not literally right. a Judd Apatow. To be Apatow fair, already. to be fair though, he did not direct it. He only produced it. So maybe that's why it's within regulation time for a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I've said this a million times. He's a much better producer than a director. When he's when he's the director, look out. When he's the producer, it's probably going to be genius. That's the thing about yeah. him. If he were directing, there would be full frontal female nudity instead of full frontal male nudity in this one. Thank right? you for zeroing in on another important thing about this movie. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's right. The famous Jason Segel scene. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, I think it's great that you have. Um, a history with this movie, a movie that you have inside jokes with and so on. I think that's such a great part of friendship. Rafer and I definitely have lots of inside jokes and strong opinions about movies that we've watched over the course of our friendship, which I think is almost exactly the same length as your friendship. Rafer, did you and I become friends around 2009? I think that's, I think actually it was more like 2006. Am I wrong? Oh, wow. I'm losing track of time. <laughs> Anywho, um, Rafer, I'm curious, what is your prescription for Aminatu and for Anne to give them that same Sarah Marshall feeling? All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to take a gamble on this. I don't know if you guys have seen this. This is always how it goes. You know, my, a lot of my self-worth gets wrapped up in these suggestions, because if I if people have seen it, then I feel like, oh, my God, I'm a failure. <laughs> and if they haven't, then I feel really proud. So 
you'll just have to be honest with me. The movie I'm going to recommend to you guys is from 2013 with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's called Don John. Have you seen it? Oh, definitely have seen Don John. Oh, you've seen it. You've both seen Don John. You too, Anne? Yes, although it's been long enough that I don't know if I could recount the plot to you, but I, I'm pretty sure I have seen it. Ah, all right. Well, then listen, then, this, then you're going to have to bear with me and we'll just have to, we'll have to talk to the listeners. Um, I guess you'd call it sort of a rom-com, but it's, I would say it's a little bit deeper than that. It's about a guy named Don Martello, played by Gordon Levitt. Uh, he's a gym rat, clothes horse, lounge lizard, kind of a sleazoid who likes to hit the clubs, bring home a different girl every night. Um, funny thing about him is he's also a porn addict, though he wouldn't really describe himself that way. He just, he likes porn. He likes it better than most girls, actually, but it's never really been a problem for him until he meets a girl named Barbara Sugarman, played by Scarlett Johansson. They get kind of serious, and that's where his porn habit kind of starts to get in the way. And here's a clip. Remember when we first started dating? What's the one thing I asked? I said, don't lie to me. All right, who's talking shit about me? What they said say? anything. Well, you got to help me out here because I don't you know what you're talking about. You looked at 46 porno sites today, John. Just today. I, I don't know what you're talking don't about. Don't fucking lie to me. Hey, I don't know who told you. Nobody no. said anything. It's right there in your history, all right? All you do is look at porno. That's what? all you fucking wait, do. Wait, 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 wait. My what? It's in your history. In your browser. Oh, come on. Don't tell me you don't know what your history is, huh? No. Of course you don't, because if you did, you would have erased it like a good little phone here. When this movie came out, Reefer, I also thought it was a fantastic movie. Yeah. I thought it was one of the more complicated romantic comedies I had seen up until that point. And I do think that this is an interesting prescription, though. Why, why are you prescribing this one? The main reason is because the subtext here is a lot like forgetting Sarah Marshall. The person you think you want is not always the right choice. But of course, you don't realize that until something inside you changes, and that's when things finally become clear. So it's it's a very different movie, and I think kind of a slightly deeper movie, maybe everybody would agree. But I think it's a good follow-up to Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Again, I'm sorry I took a gamble. You guys have both seen it. I'm sorry to disappoint. I don't feel disappointed. It's fine. I don't feel I don't feel dis I don't feel disappointed at all. Oh, okay. It's so fun Thank to you. rewatch movies that you like. But I am surprised that you prescribed this movie because it is so much deeper than forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's true. It is. It is it is a little it is a little deeper. But I do also think it's funny and uh, and it's and it's fun and I, I think it's got kind of the kind of the same message. I really thought you were going to prescribe either um, Friends with Benefits or No Strings Attached or Fifty First Dates, <laughs> right. which are the three movies that fully fit in that like stupid like popcorn snacky category. Right. And also one of them has Mila Kunis in it, That's right. which is an important <laughs> right. continuation of the game. I will admit, I, I kind of did like Friends with Benefits. It's not a very good movie, but I did kind of like that movie. I have to admit no, that. No, it's a terrible movie, <laughs> yeah. but it's the exact same movie as No Strings Attached right. with, a you know, like different cast. It's the exact same movie. Right. And Fifty First Dates, I think, is actually a very good rom-com. So that one I stand by. Sure, of course. Well, Kristen, how about you? Well, first, I will confess, I changed my prescription multiple times for this <laughs> situation here. And in the end, I settled on a movie from 2017. It's a Netflix original. It's called The Incredible Jessica James. 
and Aminatu. Have either of you seen this? Yes, and I really yes. like that movie. A delight. Oh, oh my boy. Gosh, I cannot believe you guys have seen everything. All right. They're too far ahead. So for the listeners out there who are not familiar with this movie, it stars Jessica Williams of Two Dope Queens. She's a woman who works in children's theater, not the same quite as Jason Siegel's character in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, but close enough. And like Jason Siegel's character, she's recently gone through a painful breakup. Her best friend sets her up with a guy named Boone, played by Chris Dowd, who has, by the way, been in other Judd Apatow movies, which is one reason I thought of him. He's also gone through a breakup, and he's not handling it well. And the two, unintentionally, without thinking they ever would, end up hitting it off. But clearly, neither is really over their ex. I'm tall, I'm pretty, I'm smart. I am a Coco queen. Obviously, I will have many great loves in my life. No offense, but I don't even know if I want to be here right now. Oh, well, why would I be offended by that? I thought this would be good for me to help me get over this guy I thought I was in love with, but this whole thing is making me think of him more intensely. Cool. You're a very complicated person. I know. I'm sorry. You never need to apologize for that. There's so many other things you could apologize for. <laughs> Perfect prescription. I love it. And and I think that, like, you know, it also is... Um, I, I, I had not thought about the kind of post-breakup through line there, which, I don't know, all it needs is some puppets. Like, I just, I feel like that's the X factor. <laughs> you really want those that puppets. That some of these other suggestions are lacking. Is like, where is the puppet musical? <laughs> so, once again, just to recap... Our recommendations are from Kristen, the incredible Jessica James, and for me, Don John. Aminatu and Anne, let us know if you rewatch them and if you can come up with some new inside jokes and if they scratch any of the same itch as Sarah Marshall. We would love it if they do. We're on it. We're on it. Um, Thank you both so much. Thank you. And can you remind our listeners once again where they can find you? All of our podcast things, links, episodes are at callyourgirlfriend.com. And everything related to the book is at bigfriendship.com. Thank you so much, you guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Bye, y'all. And Rafer, I guess that's it. Not just time to say goodbye to Anne and Aminatu, but say goodbye to all of our listeners out there because that's it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. Well, fasten your seatbelts, Kristen, next week. Um, Okay. Uh, Please don't hesitate to reach out, everybody. If you need some questionable advice and solid movie recommendations, you can use the contact form on our website, raferandkristen.com. Again, you don't have to use your real name. Again, that's raferandkristen.com. You can also tweet us at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. And another reminder, please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows and tell your friends about our show. It really helps us a lot. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.